But then again, it's understandable because we live in a, an era where the youngsters all think everything is free. And what they don't realize is everything that's free out there is simply for data collection and to get them on it. And they're compliant with it. They have no idea of personal privacy or even the value of personal privacy. They have no knowledge of totalitarian states of the past. And the first thing a totalitarian state does is register everyone, make sure that they know all about you, and they keep all the data, and they update it all the time on their subjects. That's what really the Internet's for. And this great tool is for their benefit, not for ours. Back with more after this break. through the matrix. When the big attack on the towers happened on September the 11th, 2001, I was on the radio, I think, that night or the night after, and I said, you know, this is the start of a push for a a, a war scenario on the whole world. That's what it was for. It was a signal. It was a big signal that obviously had been advanced, uh, or planned in advance, I should say. And... I said nothing's going to be the same and because I was echoing the words of one of the big players on TV at the time. I said nothing's going to be the same after this. And I mean, he meant nothing's going to be the same. Nothing. Everything was going to change. And for a war scenario, I said, I said at the time, you've got to bring in uh, refugees, get them moving from place to place. How do you do that? You do it through pandemics or a whole bunch of different reasons. You've got to have rationing brought in I went through all the things that happened during a warfare because I knew darn well they were going to go along with the Club of Rome's uh, idea and mandate, I should say. They came up with the idea of a, a war-type scenario where everyone pulls together for a common, a common cause and they give up rights and liberties and freedoms to help the common cause for the good of all type of an idea. That's why slogans in war are famous for saying we're all in it together, stuff like that. And I knew it was all coming along. And sure enough, you know, this whole idea, it's all how you perceive things. And that's how things are presented to you. If you want to steal something from someone, even the basic right to to feed themselves, you can can do it overtly by sending in the king's men who just steal the food. Or, Or you can condition the children to grow up with a different way of looking at everything, everything at all. So much so that if it came to being stuck in the wilderness somewhere and uh, someone killed a deer, none of them would eat it because they'd been brought up vegetarian and it was taboo to eat meat. Or if you teach them that uh, here you are in the middle of the forest and it's, it's covered in snow and you're frozen, uh, what do you do to, to heat yourself? Well, well, the last thing they'll think of is stripping off birch bark and getting a fire going because it puts carbon off. I'm, I'm not kidding about that. You can literally alter a person's survival capabilities by distorting the outcomes of their logic, of their instincts. And that's how you can rob a whole planet. That's how you can condition a planet into having no rights, no freedoms, and to having them turn into slaves without using the term slave. There are many, many ways to do it. It's done all the time. 
because we are the most studied species on the planet long before they were cutting up bugs and cutting up frogs and all the rest of it and studying them in the wilderness we human beings have been studied for thousands and thousands and who knows how many thousands or even millions of years and knowledge is never lost never lost and the art of governing people was understood in ancient times perfectly well you always had to give them a religion for the era and you must enforce that religion of the era anyone who doesn't go along with it is severely punished or even killed until you have a, the perfect generation who bow to whatever it is that you stick in front of them and give up everything that they have including their firstborn if need be and they'll do it willingly because you, you can alter people's perceptions if you understand the sciences very ancient sciences so we're all being turned into a global society where we're all in it together as always and it's up to us all to suffer equally except for those at the top who plan it all and manage it all as it always, has always been and when you hear things floated a few years back like carbon taxes uh, what a great con carbon taxes because really uh, under the guise of we have all have to suffer to save everyone we all have to suffer to save everyone we have to start paying for, for, for stuff that's in the air naturally by the way and carbon dioxide is a very low percentage of the so-called greenhouse gases nothing would live on the planet the, the plants and so on without carbon dioxide but that's never pushed it's always a threat a big unseen threat it's the same thing as staving off Armageddon by your prayers hoping to stave it off or in ancient times you would sacrifice so many children so your enemies wouldn't come any closer and that's how it's done it's science science of the mind and when you hear that again the carbon taxes and, and again they, they introduce it as those only big they always do this with any kind of tax oh the rich are going to pay you'll be okay so international corporations are going to have to pay for their share of carbon produ production during their processing and all that meanwhile you find out a couple of years later uh, that all the big international corporations were given millions if not billions of free credit taxes and they've already started their own trading business between each other the so-called offset idea and so they're making a profit off it but the whole intention is always with these things is to hit everyone else at the bottom and you can't you can't get free goodies and free tickets and free anything to do with carbon you're going to end up paying for it all of course that's what you always do at the bottom always you know, elitism is elitism. I don't care what name they give it. Communism, fascism, uh, capitalism. It's all the same thing, really, isn't it? Because under capitalism, those at the top never pay their taxes. They've had many documentaries. Even the BBC did them on the Queen after a big tax hike. And Elton John spoke out at the time. He says, no, they always put loopholes in for the, for the very wealthy, like himself, obviously. And they come out unscathed. Sometimes they come out with more even though they paid nothing in. That's not a bad deal, is it? So 
that's the reality of taxes. It's never for the people at the bottom. Any more than government agencies deal with the poor or so on. By the time anything trickles down to the poor from the multi-millions of dollars that are supposedly spent and pass through layers of bureaucrats' pockets on the way down, there's hardly anything ever, ever left. Everything is a con game. But this fantastic world order with its carbon taxes always was intended to hit you at the bottom to control you and to get into a war mode again. And I said even at the time that we'd use the word ration, and sure enough, we're getting it all, you know. This is November the 9th from Times Online. Carbon ration accounts for all proposed, for all proposed by environment agency. Even having an environment agency, isn't it? It's, it's right out of some ancient religion. Uh, like the sun priests that would pray for the sun to come up and you give them all that you had. And if you didn't have, uh, if, you, if you didn't pay them, they wouldn't pray for the sun and you'd live in perpetual darkness. So you, here you have an environment agency. Now, the environment's always been here before any agency was created and it'll be, be here long after they've gone. And even in the newspapers, they have environment editors. Everybody's got a greeny editor. If you think this is, isn't a mandate. Since when in the past did they have Christian editor or whatever, you know? Well, a long, long time ago there was. See, this is a new religion. And like all religions, it's meant to totally dominate and control you. On behalf of those at the top. So here's carbon rationing uh, account for all proposed by environment agency. If people used up their yearly ration early, they'd have to buy extra from those who had not used their full allowance. See, here's the real intention of it. Everyone should be given an annual carbon ration, a ration, right? And face financial penalties if they exceed it under a proposal by the environment agency. Did anybody vote in an environment agency? Of course we didn't. But when we're post-democratic, you understand. Lord, another Lord here, you know, Lord Smith of Finsbury, the agency's chairman, will say today, will say today, see, they, ha they give out their speech from the scriptwriter before they, they actually go out and legally, whenever they speak it legally to the press on TV, that's a legalism. So they hand out what he's going to say from the scriptwriter uh, beforehand. He will say today that rationing is the fairest and most effective way of meeting Britain's legally binding targets. Did they always put that in, legally binding? With whom? With the United Nations, you see, the big front organization for totalitarianism world over. Legally binding targets. Were, were any of you asked to vote on anything like this? No, of course not. Post-democratic. For cutting greenhouse gas emissions. People would be given a carbon account with a unique number that they would have to submit when making purchases of carbon-intensive items, such as petrol, which is gasoline over there, electricity or airline tickets, and that's happening, going to happen in the States too at the same time, by the way, and everywhere else across the planet, because we're global, you see. As with the bank account, people would receive statements showing the carbon weight of each purchase and how much of their ration remained. If they used up their ration within a year, they'd have to buy extra credits from those who had not used their full allowance. Lord Smith, who previously, before he was made the environment specialist, was the cultural specialist, the cultural secretary in Tony Blair's government. They shuffled him around through his front end. And he believes that the system would encourage people to think about the carbon cost of their purchases as well as reward those who lived frugally. That means poverty. 
and did little travelling, you know, the, the bottom classes, who would make a significant profit from selling their unused credits. Yeah, right. Speaking at the agency's annual conference in London, Lord Smith will say that carbon rationing would help people to judge how they want to develop their own quality of life in a sustainable way. Here they are getting sterilized and all the rest of it and have to pay for, for the air they breathe they're out with the carbon dioxide. And he's talking about sustainable way to, to benefit whom? He believes that rationing would be fairer than taxing carbon because extra taxes could make certain activities such as flying too expensive for people on low incomes. Well, it already is. <laughs> it already is. And the guys at the top just put down on their expenses, don't they? For taxes and write-offs. Tax with more after this break. from the Times to do with the, the carbon taxes that we've all to pay personally. Personally, It goes along with the smart meters, too, they're putting in across the world. Ontario's been doing it for the last few years, and even my area is going to get it apparently next year. And these so-called smart meters can turn items off in your house if you think you're overusing something. Mind you, they'll give you a budget plan, so you'll know you're overdoing it a little bit here or there and you have to cut out that extra cup of tea or whatever else it's going to be, or your cool goes off, or, or your lights just go off. And they're going to bring in after that the next stage, you see, which is where you'll pay in advance for your expected energy supply, what you expect to use, and then they'll just cut it off for you when you, when you go up to it or just over it. Isn't that nice of them? Hmm? It's amazing, you know, especially in Canada, because... Pierre Trudeau, the big communist guy that got in um, without a single media in Canada mentioning the fact that he led the communist international group from Canada to, to Moscow in 1952. Nobody mentioned that when he ran to be the prime minister. And again, he's another multimillionaire communist to, to dispel the myth that's a working man's thing. And uh, he was on TV all through the, the 60s and 70s, or uh, definitely the 70s and 80s, on ads. He, he would appear in the ads personally because they wanted to use the nationalized system to bring in and build these big atomic power stations. And he had ads saying, leave your lights on all night long because it's so cheap, 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 you see. And that's what they do. They nationalize things to get the money from the taxpayer and then tell you it's yours, make you feel better. And, and then they go and sell it off to their pals for a few pennies. You see, that's the standard technique they've done for about a century in Britain with different things. And so here we are going according to plan. Now we're to pay for, for everything and be cut off if you go over a certain budget level. Now, remember, too, this big deal that the world is signing. The whole world is signing on. Obama is signing on it in December. It's going to hit the U.S. You've got a ton of bricks they're not looking for. It's under the Climate Change Act, the Climate Change Act, we just call it weather changes, you know, your umbrella one day and your T-shirt the next. Now it's, it's, it's Climate Change Act. Britain is obliged to, change, to cut its emissions by 80%, 80% on 1990 levels by 2050. This means annual carbon dioxide emissions per person will have to fall from about 9 tonnes to only 2 tonnes 
I'll tell you we're going to be some skinny, skinny people. If anybody survives this even, I doubt they'll even survive it. Rationing would make it much easier to meet the target because the total amount of permitted emissions under the Act would simply be divided by the size of population. So it's going to be an incentive as well to, for population reduction. See how it beautifully ties together? And then they use social approval and disapproval where someone's uh, got a bigger family, they're using more than you, so you're all suffering collectively and you go and nag them all, put them to shame for having more than one child. This is the same techniques used in China. The Department for Environment, Department for Environment, the gods of the area, is not beautiful. Food and Rural Affairs, Food and Rural Affairs, published a feasibility study last year, which found that rationing was technically feasible and could be effective in cutting emissions. You don't want to go to the room with these guys on these these big study groups, you know, and the big commissions. They, they get so much food in them. Umpteen different courses. You wouldn't want to be in the same room when they're finished eating for the missions that they put off. DEFRA said at the time, uh, the study indicates that personal carbon trading has potential to engage individuals in taking action to combat climate change. However, it said that the idea was ahead of its time and would be very expensive to implement. It's coming. The statement concluded, the government remains interested in the concept of personal carbon trading and although it will not be continuing its research program at this stage, it will monitor the wealth of research focusing on this area and may introduce personal carbon trading if the value of carbon savings and cost implications change. Then they've got a House of Commons, that's like, that's like the Congress Environmental Audit Committee, an environmental audit committee called on the government last year to resume research on a rationing scheme and to be courageous in seeking to overcome likely public hostility to the idea. It's a pity the public wouldn't, wouldn't become a little hostile, you know, to be honest with you, and get courageous and, and tell them where to stuff it. It said in the report, opposition to personal carbon trading could be reduced if the public could be convinced, it means trained, of three things. First, that it is absolutely essential to reduce emissions. Second, this can only be achieved if individuals take personal responsibility for reducing their own emissions. <laughs> that sounds rather vulgar, eh? And third, that personal carbon trading is a fairer, a fairer and more effective way of reducing personal emissions than alternatives such as higher taxes. It is a down tax under a guise, beautiful guise that are going to con people with. Widespread, widespread public acceptance, while desirable, should not be a precondition for a personal carbon. In other words, it doesn't matter if we want to or not. Uh, public acceptance should not be a, a precondition for a personal carbon trading scheme. The need to reduce emissions is simply too urgent. It should take some bicarbonate of soda all at once, these boys. And David Miliband, the Foreign Secretary, what an interesting history. This guy, his people ran out of Germany uh, when Adolf Hitler came in. And he and I think he's got another, another Miliband in the British government. They've been a career since then in the British government. Just found out that his, his other cousins and aunts worked for the Soviet Union and the scientists, good, good communists. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
through the matrix. I've mentioned before how China had its cultural revolution, and you'd understand the Marxist policies and the ongoing dialectic, as they call it, where they start off with a, a thesis, then they put an opposition to the thesis, synthesis, and out of it comes the new synthesis. The synthesis becomes the new thesis, and they go on. In other words, this is their idea of creating progress, directed progress. Directed is important word there and uh, this has been used across the world and people don't even know it there's a cultural revolution going on and in, 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 in China they actually had the young people drag even their parents on the streets for holding on to old fashioned values they were contaminated with old worldly ideas and memories you see and you'd understand that they're using the same techniques now to do with people who aren't going along with the greening and all the rest of it, people who've got a little memory of a bit of personal freedom and rights and stupidness and silliness and all the rest of it, of government, and they're targeting them. That's the cops in the UK and across Europe are targeting the citizens of over 40s. This is the Mail Online again. How police are making criminals of the over 40s. Target culture fuels rise in first-time convictions. October 27th, 2009. And it says, so the middle aged are getting attacked here. It says, record numbers of middle-aged people are being criminalized by target-chasing police. The number of over 40s receiving a first conviction or a caution has increased by half since 2001. It is now running at a startling 65 a day, according to new government figures. It says, after decades of abiding by the law, people are being punished for crimes such as motoring offences or refusing to pay their garbage wheelie bin fines. Liberal Democrat spokesman Chris Hewn said they were being pursued so police could meet the targets imposed by the Labour government. The government's told the cops to target an age group, the over 40s. Cultural war, you see. The Cultural Revolution. These give the same weight to catching a speeding motorist as to snaring a rapist or pedophile. So if you didn't bring out your wheelie bin or put it in a proper place or it was half an inch open at the top, you're fined, you see. You're fined as much as if you were a rapist, basically. That's how they treat you. This is, um, Mr. Hewn said last night, Labour government have criminalised a generation and treated tens of thousands of law-abiding middle-aged and elderly citizens like villains. Parliamentary answers show the number of first-time entrants to the criminal justice system who are over 50 increased by 46.3% between 2001 and 2008, from 16,400 to 24,000. In the 40 to 49 age group, the lead was 57.4%, with 32,900 previously law-abiding people being criminalised. The increases in the middle age groups far outstripped the general picture. In the population as a whole, there was a rise of just 18.6%, but it's 57.4% with the, the over 40s and 50s. The figures reflect the fact that many of the Labour government's new spot, have spot fines there, you just pay on the spot, for crimes, oh, crimes such as overfilling a garbage bin, are aimed at householders 
these are more likely than the general population to be middle-aged because they resent the, the BS. That's why they resent the, 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 the BS. A first-time entrant is someone receiving their first court conviction or caution as recorded on the police national computer. Motoring offences, including things like not wearing a seatbelt, remember I used to have uh, choices at one time, make up half the cases dealt with by the courts. Drivers who challenge a speed camera ticket must go to court and will accept for many of the punishments. Refusing, refusing to accept a garbage bin fine can also lead to court. Mr. Hewn, who obtained the figure, said the soaring number of people being criminalized is a direct result of Labour's target-driven box-ticketing approach to policing. The government has created a new crime for every day in office. And it's true. I don't know if you realize that they've um, put more laws through than probably any previous government combined in the whole of the British history. So everyone slipped into mass criminalization. Criminalist Dr. Criminologist Dr. David Green of the Civitas Think Tank says the law-abiding middle classes were being deliberately targeted by police who had, who had to achieve a large number of sanctioned detentions, they call it, solved crimes. A recent report warned that the middle classes have lost confidence in the police. It's about time. If they haven't noticed, it ain't the police anymore. It's not policemen anymore. It said they've been alienated by a service which routinely targets ordinary people rather than the serious criminals simply to fill government crime quotas. Author Harriet Sargent said incidents which would once have been ignored are now treated as crimes. And complaints against the police have also risen with much of the increase coming from law-abiding middle class, middle-aged and retired people who no longer feel, feel the police are on their side. Oh, they better believe they're not on their side, not these young guys. These aren't the old type policemen. This is the New World Order's policemen. And now, I mean, I even watched, because uh, I can't watch uh, any videos because ExploreNet keeps punishing me for using ExploreNet. Plus, it's because of who I am too. Uh, even in tonight's show, when I tried to record the show live, uh, they cut me off about four or five times a night. ExploreNet, the high-speed internet, the one they see that is so great. The one that costs five times as much as the same service in the U.S. For half the service. It punishes me for trying to watch a video. So, so it's, just a, it's just amazing what really, really goes on in real life. But as I say, um, I saw a video that was sent to me. Someone burnt it on what they call COPS. That's their police. Uh, they copied the American version, basically. And it's all to do with motorized offenses. And it, you saw this old guy, this old guy, uh, toddling along, along in his little car. And the cops stop him. And then they, they, they basically crush your car. They bring in a crusher. And they crush your car on the spot if your insurance has just run out or your road tax has just run out. You used to give it two weeks when it ran out to, to pay. Not anymore. You just crush it right in front of you. That's it. That's the, that's the home of democracy. Brittany, home of democracy. God help us all in that case when we keep using democracy as, as the tellers were post-democratic. Quite something, eh? Now, it's also true that uh, science fiction movies are predictive programming. Even the comedy ones, especially the comedy ones, they show you a lot in them uh, that things are, are going to come. And back, I think, maybe in the 80s, uh, Stallone did a movie, uh, The Demolition Man. 
and it shows you a future era where lots of things happen. But each time you you do a, you say something that's incorrect, politically incorrect, or even swear, uh, a, a, a instant fine would come out of a machine, and everybody laughed. You know, Mail Online grandfather arrested at dawn, DNA tested, and held in a police cell for six hours for swearing once at a council official. I'm surprised he only swore once at a council official. Have you ever spoken to a council official? It's like talking to a lobster with those beady eyes that just stare at you, you know. This is the 10th of November, 2009. A grandfather was arrested at dawn and held in a police cell for six hours for using a single swear word in front of a council official. Thomas Catside, 67, had his fingerprints and DNA taken before being issued with an £80 fixed penalty notice. Fixed penalty notice. His arrest followed a dispute with a council official about dangerously slippy communal stairs in his block of flats in Cambridge. Mr. Catside, who is chairman of his residence group, has been campaigning for three years for safety improvements. That's why it did target for him as well, you see. But when an official visiting the site prevented him from listening to a phone call to his supervisor on October the 30th, he finally lost his temper and says, don't you tell me what I can and can't do in my own uh, something place. The official complained of feeling threatened. Oh, dear, dear. Maybe they blushed too, eh? I don't know if you've ever watched the BBC and the filth it's put out over the last 30 years with all these words in it. Even that cop show that someone burned and sent to me because exploring it is so, so darned awful. Um, showed you these cops swearing at the, at the people they were stopping. They can swear at you, but you can't swear at them. See, that's the new world order, you see. So if, if they feel threatened, uh, that's you. You've had it. Oh, I feel threatened. Maybe they also felt insulted. That's a terrible crime. Oh, you insult me. That insulted me. So that's the sort of thing they're doing there. And what's the outshoot of uh, all of this stuff? What's, what's the outcome of it? The Daily Express. 4,000 people a week are trying to leave the UK. August the 5th, 2007. Now, remember I read Jack Satali's book uh, called Millennium, the one he wrote before 9-11 happened, uh, where he said basically that the next third world country will be the US. He knew it back then. A big, big player in the formation of the European Union worked for the United Nations and all that. And he said that the next boat people will be people leaving the U.S. looking for work abroad. But it's actually happening elsewhere before it hits the U.S. And so it says Britain is facing a mass exodus of people looking to escape the crime and grime of modern living. It's also to escape this multiculturalism, by the way, because they don't know what culture is anymore. So confused by propaganda from the government. The country's biggest foreign visa consultancy firm has revealed that applications have soared to, in the last seven months by 80% to almost 4,000 a week. Ten years ago, the figure was just 300 a week. Most people are relocating within the Commonwealth in Australia, Canada, South Africa. They're almost all young professionals and skilled workers aged 20 to 40. And many cite the reasons for wanting to quit as immigration uh, to these uh, shores and the burden it is placing on their communities and local authorities. So they're blaming immigration. The burden is placing it on the communities and local authorities. The dearth of good schools, spiraling house prices, rising crime and tax increases are also driving people away. Obtaining a visa to live abroad can cost as little as one and a half thousand pounds for the right candidates, 
Plumbers, electricians, construction workers and doctors are famous in, de- in demand, are famously in demand. The only obstruction to emigration from the, from the UK is a criminal record, poor health, advancing age and being a third country national. I think it's through different um, episodes of different peoples and so on. And it says, ironically, one of the main reasons for leaving is the overstretch of services. You can't get services in Britain because they all cater to the immigrants, immigrants coming into Britain. Due to increasing immigration to the UK, people are looking for the better standard of living offered by other countries, as even the most idyllic villages in Britain are under pressure from rising populations, and it's due to immigration. And what's even more ironic... Now, a, a few weeks ago I mentioned, maybe a couple of weeks ago I mentioned how Tony Blair and his right-hand man had planned to change the Brit- face of Britain forever by massively upping the quotas of immigrants into Britain to destroy the cult- any vestige of culture. That's imperative to bring in this new world order. And, and I've told people before, you can't please them at the top Britain's been trying to cut back their population. The average family in Britain doesn't have more than about one child per family. They've done all the right things. And then Maggie Thatcher said, when she opened the floodgates to immigration, mainly from India at that time, she says, well, we need them. There's not enough getting born here to pay off the, the national debts. That was the reason it was given. So we do all the right things to please them. See, you cannot please them at the top. And I hope all you politically correct people out there are listening to me now. You can't please them at the top. They're going to come after you eventually with something else, you see. The Daily Express, October 11th, 2008, more than 50 million African workers are to be invited to Europe in a far-reaching secretive uh, migration deal the Daily Express can reveal today. A controversial, controversial taxpayer-funded, ta- we always pay for our own demise, eh? Job Centre, on quotation marks, opened in Mali this week. It's just the first step towards promoting free movement of people in Africa and the European Union. Brussels economists claim Britain and other EU states will need 56 million immigrant workers between them by 2050 to make up for the demographic decline due to falling birth rates and rising death rates across Europe. See, it's not enough people getting born because they're being good, good old two-shoes and obeying their governments. The report by the EU statistical agency Eurostat for the European Union warns that vast numbers of migrants could be needed to meet the shortfall in two years if Europe is to have a hope of funding the pension and health needs of its growing elderly population. So they're using the same excuse as Thatcher gave. What they're not mentioning here is is the incredible debt that was also paid to pay off the bankers. It states that countries with the low fertility rates could require a significant number of immigrants over the coming decades if they want to maintain the existing number of people of working age. Having sufficient people of working age is vital for the economy and for tax revenue. The report by French Member of European Parliament, Francois Castet, calls for immigrants to be given legal rights and access to social welfare provisions such as benefits. And that's why people are moving out of the UK. They can't get access to these things. Because there's a priority list, you see. Amazing, eh? Now, I'll go to Adrian Hunter in British Columbia. Are you there, Adrian? Or is it Aidan Hunter? Hello. 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 Yes. Um, uh, how are you? 
Not so bad. My dad says hi. Um, I'm son of Alex Hunter, yes. and I'm 12 years old. <laughs> um, I would like to talk to you about uh, Byron Pryor. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's been uh, put in a mental hospital, uh, Waterford uh, psych uh, psych institution. Uh-huh. Um, because when he was uh, young, his sister uh, was uh, raped by his, uh, a judge, uh, T. Uh, T. Alex Hick- Hickman. Yes. And uh, she was impregnated, and he's in the mental hospital because of that, and they're saying it, it didn't happen, right? Uh, and he was supposed to get out uh, last Monday, yep. uh, last month, right? And he didn't. He wasn't getting out mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't say that didn't happen. Like uh, they're just yep. twisting what what they said to uh, his wife Audrey uh-huh. around, right, and to him. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I know there was a big deal uh, out of British Columbia. Yeah. And a few years oh, ago, uh, there was a there was a, he, a report in the papers there where where uh, there was a pedophile ring comprising of judges, and they're getting that the children delivered to them by the guy who was put in charge of the social services or children commission. That's who's supplying them with children. Hold on, I'll be back after this break. Aiden from British Columbia. You there, Aiden? Uh, okay, just to get to the point, um, Chief Justice T. Alex Hickman won't uh, supply DNA to uh, uh, to see if uh, Byron's niece is um, uh, his child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, instead of uh, letting Byron out, they're holding Byron uh, indefinitely until uh, he says it didn't happen. Yeah. So yeah. that's like all. That's like all kids are like unsafe now, right? Because yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's different laws for different peoples and different categories. And when it comes to judges, they're they're sort of above it all. They're kind of godlike, you know. That's why they wear those black capes and wear uh, wigs. Yeah, so yeah. It's, uh, that's the way it is. That's, that's real life and when it comes to keeping them safe. You see, they cannot be tried either by common people. They must be tried by their peer group. So that will never end up, you see, in a court of law with a judge as, as, the, as the defendant. It won't happen. That's, that's the reality of life. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you yeah. the email and I'll, I'll send you the contact information. Tell um, Audrey, email him, okay? Um, I've been watching my dad suffer for eleven and a uh, quarter years now. Mm-hmm. So, right? Um, uh, he made uh, the uh, the Canadian Coalition of the Walking Wounded. Yeah. Um. Uh. 
he had a radio show, right? It was called the Canadian Co- Coalition of the Walking Wounded Uncensored Radio, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, it started on November 11th. Yeah. Uh, right? And then the next day, we were supposed to go on, on the air, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, he didn't get any calls from from his his uh his partner yeah. right uh up up island in victoria here right mm-hmm. um uh they left five messages on on his uh on our voice message machine yeah. right and uh the vo- phone didn't ring at all yes yeah okay. and that's how he got on the show right so he couldn't mm-hmm. do it anymore and yeah. we really love your show. Your show is really good. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you, we should really be glad, you know, and grateful to the the USA. Don't know it. They don't know it. This is getting broadcast out of the USA uh, because you cannot do this kind of stuff in Canada or any of the British Commonwealth countries because uh, we're under tyranny. We've always been under tyranny, and there is no such thing as free speech. You have authorized speech under the guise of free speech on regular media. But you don't, you don't really have any free speech in Canada whatsoever. So you're quite right. Uh, but the U.S., if, if they're going to start to lose it, and they better start really, really fighting for it. Because when they lose the right to free speech, even if it's opinions you don't like, you've got to, you've got to accept it all. Because uh, it's the only way you can get your voice out there, too. When it's taken away from you, you're under tyranny. But, but thanks for calling, Aidan. Thank you. And there's, there's Laura. Oh, I can't get Laura Lee in. Maybe get you tomorrow, Laura Lee, in Calgary. You can hear the music coming in now. And I hope the U.S. really truly hang on to their, to their guns, so to speak, because uh, they are the last country to go down, and they're already going down through the cultural attacks all around them and, and within them and through laws and regulations. And uh, once it's gone, the whole world is under the big new world totalitarian boot. From Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada... It's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.